Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with the only two twins that are celebrating Revis Day the only way they know how with the Darrell Revis jersey on. At least Jason has it. Michael, I'm ignoring you with your white t-shirt. That's funny. It's not a jersey. It's a t-shirt. Yeah. Also, I didn't even realize it's Revis's birthday and I'm wearing this. It's pretty funny, but... Yo, it's you know what's crazy, man? Like, you forget how good Darrell Revis is, was... And then you look, some people forget. And then you look at that list of wide receivers that he shut down some twice in a year. And it's like Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. You're talking about Terrell Owens, Chad Ochocinco, Torrey Holt, Randy Moss, um, Steve Smith. Like the lead, the list goes on and on of Hall of Famers. Stevie Johnson was nice for several years. Stevie Johnson was the only one that went over 80 yards on him. Yeah, yo, Stevie Johnson. Andre Johnson, he shut down. Stevie Johnson has always been underrated. That dude is nice for a few years. Yeah, he was underrated because he didn't have that draft capital and he was a undrafted free agent. He couldn't stick around. He was kind of inconsistent, but when he was good, he was good. Also, he's, he's playing with fucking J.P. Lossman as his quarterback, so lucky for him. Um, speaking of playing with quarterbacks, today we are going to... That doesn't make any sense. Today we are going to reveal our rankings that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Our first rankings are out. This is earlier than we've ever done for rankings, so this is a uh, this is something that's going to be fluid in terms of it evolving throughout the off season. This is just 1.0. These rankings are going to be updated plenty of times um, before the before the season starts. It's going to be updated. We have done we have done several drafts ourselves, so it's not like we just threw rankings together oh hell no like this is yeah just it will be fluid but these are what we've been working with so far yeah yeah for sure uh they will be fluid they'll change with the with the news and the tide um things always change for example jason peters today was signed re-signed by the eagles to play guard he's been an all pro tackle for years gotta feel like that's a good move for them so you know miles sanders Sanders, looks even better than he did so we're gonna be adjusting as the news adjusts we're gonna see if there's any preseason this year if there is any preseason we'll adjust with that but today we're gonna be going over our top 10 consensus for um quarterbacks running backs wide receivers and tight ends so yeah and also good jay we're putting our consensus on instagram so if you want to get over there and throw some shade at us we're all, we're up for it <laughs> at brodo fantasy of course on instagram in fact let me play the title and then i'll plug away what do you guys say sounds good let's do it welcome back to the brodo fantasy football podcast presented by brodofantasy.com i'm your host tim Petrop, with my brothers the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness Michael and Jason Petrop. BrotoFantasy.com to see all these rankings live as we talk about them, or if you want to see them after, if you want to see them before, if you want to see them in the middle. Um, that's where you're going to find them. You could also find them on Fantasy Pros, as you guys know, Fantasy Pros rankers up in this biznatch. Um, also, you can find us at BrotoFantasy on Instagram and Twitter if you want to talk to us about these rankings. Uh, you could also find our final Scott Fishbowl. 10 uh, official teams. Um, my draft got a ended. a couple rounds left. Oh, you got a couple there. rounds next? Okay, so soon yeah. enough. My draft ended today. What about you, Jason? How are you doing? Yeah, mine ended yesterday. So uh, two drafts done. Michael's still uh, chugging along in these drafts. Some drafts take longer than others. 
Man, some drafts take longer than others. Dude, the Glowworm division, which was the fastest division, finished in like a day and a half. She was like the slowest division is on like. They had to have just been sitting at their computers or phones for just straight. How do you finish an eight-hour slow draft of twenty-two rounds in a day and a half? Yeah, I was I was lucky. I had someone. We had a group chat on Twitter. I mean, a DM on Twitter, and I had someone who would tell you who's on the clock. So every time I was on the clock, I'd get an alert on Twitter DMs, and that was very helpful. Uh, last year, I I got into an argument with someone because I'm like, hey, yo, you're on the clock. He's like, yo, relax, man. It's an eight-hour draft. Like, I have better things to do in my life. I'm like, dude, I'm just telling you you're on the clock. Like, yo, relax. Yeah, I don't know why life. people complain about yeah, the, it's the, always, I, I always appreciate the on the clock. Me reminder, too. Sometimes I'm just busy and I'm like, oh, cool. I can take a break and draft now. Exactly. Yeah. It's, always, it's always a tough line there because, like, some people take it offensively. It's like... Like someone, this guy said, I brought up Jason four hours left. And that was like at 8 a.m. So I slept through my pick. And then the next one later in the day said, I brought Jason four hours again. And then someone put a gif of shade. It's like, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks for letting um, me know. I got a good group this year. Um, Lauren Carpenter of the Fantasy Footballers is in that. Um, Jamie Eisenberg. Um, of CBS Fantasies and that, uh, uh, along with uh, a few other um, pretty pretty uh, astounding fans and some uh, experts as well. So um, a lot of good a lot of good players in my draft this year. But yeah, let's get to um, let's get to these rankings. What do you guys say? Oh, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> you guys are mad twins on that one. That wasn't planned at all. Um, I will say this first before anything. Go to patreon.com slash broto fantasy uh before we before we get into these rankings because you're gonna find there even well broto broto fantasy.com you're gonna find this stat too something called true throw values and true throw values and true target values is something that we do here on broto exclusively and we're gonna get into these quarterback rankings and you're gonna see one guy that you might not expect to be there at all because he was the true throw value king last season um, you get an exclusive formula of these true throw values um, if you join the Patreon. Jason, why don't you explain that to the people since you're the one putting it together? Jason, explain. Yeah, so uh, we have a lot of true um, that we're talking here. You confuse the trues, bro. We have true values, and the new one is called true performance. Because um, I thought the name was cool. <laughs> uh, what we did really was we took true values, another derivative of true values, because true throw target values are a derivative of true throw values. And now true performance is a derivative of both, where for wide receivers and tight ends, we looked at where these people were ranked on true target values and then compared that to their end of season ADP to see how they performed um, versus how they were expected to perform, because true values tells you how this player is expected to perform seeing this number of targets from this quarterback. So when the end of season ADP is a lot higher, basically you understand that as either this person was lucky or this person has the skill set to do more than the quarterback gives them. On the other end, if it's lower, that tells you this person was unlucky or this person can't do what the quarterback gives them. They're, they're a worse player than average would be for that quarterback throwing the ball. And then the closer to zero the more um, you'd expect from this player, the more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, sticky their projections are. So if they see a similar amount of targets this season, they should put up a similar amount of numbers um, 
So really, it's to help you project during the season. Uh, not during the season, sorry. During the pre-draft Draft. to... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To get your guys who you think are going to perform better or to fade some guys who were surprisingly overrated when you look at true performance. All right. So you can go to patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy in order to access that, including and a whole bunch of others. Uh, You get access to the discord. You get access um, to our leagues that are starting up soon, starting up a dynasty league soon. Uh, Check out. Uh, the Patreon uh, pod, the extra pod. You get an extra podcast for details on that this week. Uh, we'll be sharing those details to the public next week. So, yeah, let's get it started with what we're doing today. Let's start off with quarterbacks. Uh, so right off the bat, our top two quarterbacks uh, are the top two quarterbacks that basically everyone is, you know, it's a consensus top two quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Our consensus, though, is Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson. Um, Michael, you have Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson. Jason, so do you. I also have Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson. So we all believe that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the more valuable quarterback than Lamar Jackson. So why don't we start with you, Michael? Why is Patrick Mahomes more valuable than the guy who lit fancy on fire last year? Um, Because it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't really think we need to discuss why Patrick Mahomes when he's already one of the best quarterbacks of all time and he's entering his third season as a starter like I've seen it going around like would Patrick Mahomes be a hall of famer if his career ended today or something I would vote yes honestly from how ridiculously good his first two seasons starting in the league are and uh yeah and if you want to talk about grabbing a quarterback high I mean dude if you're gonna grab a quarterback high you need to make sure this dude is going to be great and there's a 0% chance Patrick Mahomes ends outside like the top three quarterbacks if he's healthy the entire season. And then you got Lamar Jackson, who's a little more risky, who's running a lot and was just super hyper-efficient last year. So if I'm betting on either one of those guys, I'm betting on Patrick Mahomes just because, sure, Lamar Jackson might have a slightly higher ceiling because of his rushing ability. I just feel like he also has a lower floor because he can get hurt since he uses like so much, and I also do expect the ridiculous hyper-efficient offense to slow down a little bit this year because throwing for 35 touchdowns on the amount of pass attempts that he had last year was a little ridiculous. I think to put some numbers on it, you're looking at Lamar Jackson had a 9% touchdown percentage. That means 9% of all of his passes were touchdowns. That is, sure. a, that is a ridiculous rate. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you don't even have to throw 10 times and average a touchdown. If you want to, if you want to put that into perspective, the year that Pat Mahomes uh, threw fifty touchdowns, he had an eight point six percent touchdown percentage. So when you're talking about passing touchdowns for Lamar Jackson, it is reasonable to think that they'll go down. Uh, in the last two seasons, Carson Wentz led in 2017 with seven point five. He dropped down to five point two percent in the next season. Mahomes from eight point six, he went down to five point four percent last season. So. They also added, uh, to, I'm sorry to cut you off, yeah. but J.K. Dobbins as well to the backfield. So maybe they'll use that running game even more, which might sound crazy because they were the number one rushing team in the league last year. But, I mean, why not? If you have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and even Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards had some big rushes for them last year too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that running game is definitely going to be – well, you have to you have to think that Lamar Jackson's running ability – is going to be there. But I do think that after a year of seeing that, um, did also can you expect Lamar Jackson to to 
replicate those rushing numbers that he's had, right? You saw with Michael Vick, his rushing numbers fluctuated. And Michael Vick, as great of a, as a rusher as he was, he only went over 1,000 yards one time in his entire career. So when you look at that, you say, okay, this is something that's that might not be sustainable. And when you're talking about... Um, and, I'm, and we're not talking about a big difference here. We're talking about him being the number two quarterback rather than the number one quarterback, right? So you're not really you're not really saying like, oh, yeah, he's not going to have a great season. I believe that he's still going to have a great season. The only thing is if you're taking a quarterback at the place where you have to take a quarterback when it's Lamar Jackson, which is the second, third round, I'd rather have a guy like Pat Mahomes in that situation um, because he's more of a, of a solid lock, especially after getting the, the half a billy. Um, yeah, but this again, this also isn't like rankings aren't indicative of if you would draft these players, right? Like just because I would personally take Mahomes as my number one QB and I think he'll end as number one QB doesn't mean I'll draft him because drafting him in the second or third round is too high for my taste. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, unless you're in a two quarterback league, in which case like I got in then he's in, gone early first. Right. In the in the Scott Fishbowl, he went as the number one pick in my in the Cabbage Patch League, which isn't even crazy because it's a it's a two quarterback league. So you think about that, then that's a different case. But if it's a one quarterback league, I just want to say put out there that only four quarterbacks last season in general had a touchdown percentage above six percent, and Lamar Jackson went for nine percent. So when you're talking about that positive regression, I mean not positive regression, just regression in general. I think he's he's a guy for that. Um, Dak Prescott, someone who is going to be in another contract season, um, comes in at number three in the consensus. Jason, uh, for your quarterbacks, you have Dak Prescott ranked number three. So tell me, what gives you Dak Prescott that edge over a guy like Kyler Murray that you have number four? Yeah, we had this conversation either on a recent pod or on a Patreon pod, but Three, four, five. I have Dak, Kyler, and Russell Wilson. I really think they're all in a big bunch. I do want to make this be known with my rankings because when you see them in quarterback, like three, four, five, that could mean a lot of different things in terms of overall rankings. So overall, I have them very close to each other. I think they're all going to end very close. Just when you need to rank quarterbacks, they need to be in that order. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not like he's it's not like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. There's a bigger drop off between them and Dak than I have between Dak. Uh, Murray and Ross. For me, I, that being, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. But with that being said, look, Dak Prescott had the lowest rushing numbers of Dak, Kyler, and Russ last season and still ended as a second quarterback behind Lamar Jackson. And I think that every single of those quarterbacks are in a position to run less this season. Kyler Murray, they added DeAndre Hopkins. They have Christian Kirk, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake, who... Earlier in the season, Arizona last season, they didn't really have a running back. So I think Kyler Murray's set to run a little bit less this season, but still enough to keep him in the high um, quarterback one range. Russell Wilson is always just up uh, a little sporadic with his rushing, but he's always going to end up doing it. Dak's always going to find the end zone a few times. So I don't think rushing is a big thing here. And just looking at passing, the Cowboys added CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup's going into another year. Amari Cooper is... Uh, what's the word? I'm like sporadic, not sporadic, up and down, inconsistent, inconsistent. But he's gonna have games, especially at home, where he bursts for a lot of yards. And then Blake Jarwin is probably gonna be better than Jason Witten, who was still a top 10 tight end last season. I don't think there's anything to say that Dak, what Dak did last season, is gonna change, and that's why I have him at three. So I have a, I have a, 
a different point of view here. I have Dak Prescott as seven uh, in my rankings, which is still oh, a quarterback man, one, someone that I would love to have on my team. But here's a couple things that I that I'm looking at for Dak Prescott. Um, number one, he had a career year last season. Can he repeat it? Uh, number two, the offensive line for the first time is not the same exact core of guys that it used to be. Travis Frederick, who's arguably the best player on that line in a, a line of very good players, um, has retired. So they have to work in some new offensive line guys. On top of that, Ezekiel Elliott, if you remember, in the beginning of the year last year, was not using the offense the way that you saw him used most of the time during his career. On top of that, there's a completely new coaching regime. Uh, it's a Mike McCarthy regime. Um, now, yes, Aaron Rodgers put up big numbers other Mike McCarthy, but there were times where him and Mike McCarthy didn't get along. Um, Dak also is playing under this um, kind of cloud where he's on, he's in the Kirk Cousins situation where he's on the the franchise tag and his his owner and his his franchise aren't putting that behind him now I'm, I'm par, aren't putting themselves behind him long term after he just saw a 477 million dollar contract get signed with the incentive to make it 502 million dollars um, by Patrick Mahomes so uh, I think that there are some factors that make me think that uh, Dak might finish a little lower but then again I think it's more I like the other guys better because I think the guys I have in front of him we'll talk about a little more Kyler Murray Carson Wentz Deshaun Watson Josh Allen I think that these guys have the ability to um to shine and maybe outscore a very similar season from Dak so let's get to our next guy and this is a guy I really want to talk about Kyler Murray Kyler Murray uh has the ability to look up what do you say the ability to look up yeah has 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 the ability to i don't know glow up well i, well, I don't know what, what are the kids saying these days glow up the glow up makes more sense than to look up but if you're talking about a kyler murray glow up this he is the quarterback <laughs> can we stop saying glow up he is the quarterback uh the cool the cool choice this year like he's the one that the vast majority of fantasy analysts are saying this is the guy who's going to explode and become a top three quarterback. I'm one of those guys. Of, yeah, because of his legs and all the weapons with DeAndre Hopkins, and he was good last year as well. I'm a little more weary on Kyler Murray just because he wasn't all that great last year as a rookie. I mean, he was good as a rookie. 3,700 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 in those, but less than seven yards per attempt. Uh, he did rush. But the, like Jason said, the rushing was a bit sporadic. It wasn't something that you could count on weekly. Like some, and he he left you disappointed some weeks. Some weeks he was great. I don't. I'm not comfortable drafting a quarterback high like Kyler Murray. If you want him, you got to get him in the fourth, fifth round at this point. Who is similar to maybe like a, a Russell Wilson, who is very sporadic, uh, cons- fantasy football wise. I'm. I just personally don't like drafting quarterbacks like that, especially if they're high for my taste. So I'm okay missing out on Kyler Murray uh, this season, even if he does explode. But that being said, I'm slightly lower than him on you guys. I have him sixth, which is a little bit lower than expert consensus ranking as well. I still think he ends as a very good fantasy option. I just think it's going to be a lot more up and down than people think. Here's why I disagree with you. Kyler Murray's... Kyler Murray last year came in as a rookie, 
replacing a first-round pick with a brand-new head coach who's the youngest coach in the league, and he had a touchdown percentage of 3.7. Now, we're talking about um, Lamar Jackson's touchdown percentage regressing. This, this I think, calls for positive regression. On top of that, you're adding DeAndre Hopkins, who is not like an Odell Beckham Jr., right? Because a lot of people could say, well, look, the Browns added OBJ, and look what happened to Baker Mayfield. You're not looking at a situation like that. DeAndre Hopkins has had situations in the past where he has had shitty quarterbacks and he's made them better. He has made people better in his life every single time that he's been on the field. I think that's going to happen again. Uh, on top of that, Kenyon Drake for a full season. Um, Cliff Kingsbury's offense for a second year, um, being more acclimated to the NFL figuring out the NFL a little more, one of the smartest minds in the game, and his ability to run. Um, he was one of the top runners, I think, only after Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen was Kyler Murray, and he was way more efficient than Josh Allen in terms of rushing. So I think if you add the rushing and you add the passing, which I think is for sure going to go up, and you look at Kyle, Kyler Murray, um, which for some reason Google, I, I have I have his like, his picture open here, they, they list him as Kyle Murray. Um, if you look at Kyler Murray uh, last year, he finished as QB6 overall, and I think it's reasonable to say that his production last year is his floor this year. So I love Kyler Murray. I think that he's going to make a, a, a giant leap forward, and I know Jason agrees with me on that. Jason, yeah, that's I your mean, cue. I mean, no and yes, because like you just said, quarterback six, I think I saw quarterback seven, so I guess maybe it depends on scoring, but he definitely finished either six or seven. So when you say huge leap, I I don't think he's going to... I think seven to three is a huge leap. Okay, fair enough. Then I, I would say he's going to end in the four to seven range. So, so okay. if, if you wanted to find that as a huge leap, sure, but I do like Murray this season. I uh, mean... He added DeAndre Hopkins. Let's, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, let's go over to uh, the, the a, a group of three guys that we all feel are, are basically in the same tier, I think, this year. And we all have them ranked in similar spots. Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, what Wilson and Deshaun oh, <laughs> Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are number five, six, and seven. On the chart, Carson Wentz is someone that we all are a lot higher than than the consensus. He's my quarterback four. He's that's five higher than the expert consensus. He's Jason Michael's quarterback five, which is four higher, and Jason's quarterback seven, which is two higher. So we're all higher than the expert consensus. Uh, why do we feel this way about Josh Allen? I mean uh, Carson Wentz. Jason, I'll start with you. Look, I don't buy. I don't uh, sell injuries. Like, I'm going to go into the season not thinking that an injury is going to happen. There's some people who are just super injury prone. You have to bake that into their ADP, like Will Foley, right? But Carson Wentz played 16 games last season. He's missed games in the past. But every time he's on the field, he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And what can you do if he gets hurt? Stream. We're all late quarterback lovers anyway, right? We like to... Find a late quarterback with upside, take them late to build our core in the beginning of the draft. That's how we like to draft. So if I'm taking Carson Wentz and spending a decent pick on him and he does get hurt, well, then I'll just refer it to streaming, which I would have done even if I didn't take Carson Wentz. And it's still possible to have a good team streaming quarterbacks. So when I'm 
drafting. I'm drafting for upside. And Carson Wentz, his ADP right now, has health concerns baked into it, even though he played 16 games last season. So I'm going to take Carson. I think that Carson Wentz, if he plays 16 games, is going to be a top seven quarterback because he always has been. He was a, he was the ninth quarterback last season and playing all 16 games. I think there's always room to improve. They added people on that offense. Ertz and Goddard. Goddard's probably going to be more involved this year. Miles Sanders came on at the end of last year. Miles Sanders was their leading running back for Pete's sake, leading wide receiver through the first half of the season last year. So I think that Carson Wentz is a good gamble this year. And if you're worried about his health, well, I like upside. I don't really care. I also think that you have to remember that Carson Wentz, there was a big story going into last season about how they're going to hold him back from running. And you saw them hold him back from running. But the last the last four games of the season in the fantasy season, five rushes, three rushes, six rushes, three rushes, he's getting back into that rushing attempt kind of situation. And let's go back to when he had Deshaun Jackson. He only had Deshaun Jackson for one game last year before Deshaun Jackson pulled up Deshaun Jackson. And he threw three touchdowns, and he had a 71% completion percentage in that first game of the season. Yes, it was against the Redskins, but he's going to have a Deshaun Jackson this year. And if he doesn't have Deshaun Jackson himself, he's going to have Deshaun Jackson, the rookie version, in Jalen Rager. He's going to have someone that's going to be able to stretch the field. Not to mention, like, how many times can you, can you drop a pass from a dude? He had so many drops last year. I just think that this year, with Miles Sanders prowess out of the backfield having it for a whole season like like jason said uh the tight ends uh, a better wide receiver core i think that carson wentz takes a step up and i think that you know you saw his progression last season too as he got healthier um he was the reason why the eagles won all those games at the end of the year remember they were gonna they were gonna about to miss the playoffs they were under 500 uh and they ended the season on a five-game winning streak and the reason why they did that was because carson wentz is playing like an absolute beast and an animal yeah i think i have i think i have once highest among us at number five i agree with everything you guys said this dude threw for four thousand yards last year throwing to greg ward who is a quarterback at houston in college right like, greg ward and like like mac hollins and yeah uh, jj arcega whiteside like there's there's better players for him this year yeah and le- sanders as a rookie proved to be one of the best patch pass patch pass, pass catching backs already Rager, Goddard, Ertz, Djax back, maybe Jeffrey back at some point. I'm all aboard the one stream. Um, Russell Wilson we have coming in at number six. And people, don't lose your shit. We don't think Russell Wilson is the sixth best quarterback in the league. This is a fantasy ranking show. Um, but, you know, he's inconsistent. I think that's why we all have him at around number six. Like, still a quarterback one, but we've we've mentioned many times in the show that we don't like having Russell Wilson, Wilson on our team. Deshaun Watson comes in at number seven. He's a dual threat, um, but he loses his number one wide receiver. Josh Allen, again, another dual threat with a new number one wide receiver. So he might have a chance to step up. Matt Ryan is the consensus number nine, even though I have Matt Ryan as my number 13, 14 quarterback. Fuck Matt Ryan. Um, But I want to talk about the last guy, Ryan Tannehill. Um, Ryan Tannehill, we all have way higher than the expert consensus. Michael, you have him at number nine. Um, Jason, you have him at number 14. I'm going to cut you off Interesting that Jason has him at number 14 out of everyone. (laughs) And uh, I have him at number eight. So, Jason, the true value master talking about the true value king, like, why don't you have him ranked in the top 10? 
Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I was putting together the consensus rankings, and I realized I have Tannehill the lowest of the bunch, which is funny since that's my guy. Uh, the thing is, it's just um, volume, right? Volume is a big part of fantasy, and true throw values tells us that Ryan Tannehill is one of the one of the most efficient quarterbacks, but he still needs to throw the ball a decent amount. And I'm a little scared that he's not going to throw enough. So I do, I am, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I do expect him to have a good season. I do expect him to be efficient again and use his legs a little bit because he's always been a decent running quarterback. Everyone forgets a few years ago in Miami when he was going as a top 10 fantasy pick um, at one point. So I do think he has the upside, but there's just a a couple guys that I like a little bit more. And remember, this is volume 1.0, so I could always swap Tannehill and Big Ben, who I have at 13 and stuff of that sort. It's not a knock at Tannehill. I just found it interesting that I had him lower than you guys. Michael, talk some sentences, Jason. The reason I love Tannehill so much is because I have him at QB9. It's because of the efficiency. And what team is Ryan Tannehill on, guys? The Tennessee Titans. Do we really expect the Tennessee Titans to just be a team that's leading all the time? I certainly don't. It's not like Derrick Henry's going to get 40 rushes a game. We know Derrick Henry's going to be the main uh, the main cog in that offense, but they are going to be utilizing A.J. Brown. They're going to be utilizing Jonu Smith. They're going to be utilizing the play-action pass. And Ryan Tannehill was the only passer last year with a passer rating above 110 under pressure. So even if they bring a lot of pressure – to try to stop the run with Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill last year was the best passer when the blitz was coming. So this guy is able to dodge the – he uses his legs a little bit, so he's able to dodge the blitz if they get there. He's able to get the ball out of his hands quick. And he – I mean, the dude threw 22 touchdowns to six interceptions. He joined the team late in the offseason, didn't start the year. Why would he – I just don't see why he would digress this season and not just pick up where he left off. Because that's how that offense operates. It operates through Derrick Henry, and I'm okay with that because it just opens up play-action pass and deep play volume for Ryan Tannehill. And when you're talking about efficiency, this is a guy who threw for 391 yards on 21 completions uh, against Oakland. This is a guy who threw for 272 yards on 17 completions, 220 yards on 13 completions, 300. Like this, he doesn't need that many completions to to have. Uh, a big game. On top of that, A.J. Brown is also in his second year. So he, his number one target is now comfortable. And, you know, Derrick Henry is a beast, but you can't hand it to Derrick Henry like you did in the playoffs over and over and over again if you want to win games um, now. So I do expect sometimes you're going to see Derrick Henry not have 30 rushes in a game. Instead, he'll have 20 rushes in a game. And those are the games that Ryan Tannehill will be great. And I believe that... Um, we're going to be headed for a lot of those. All right, so those are that's our top 10 uh, quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Tannehill. Uh, remember, value King. at Brodo Fantasy uh, on Instagram if you want to see the nice graphic on that. Let's go over to our top running backs. And I think that the in terms of the running backs, uh, it's going to be a, a situation where we are not uh, – it's not going to be a, a surprise, the top four. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara. I think that that is the consensus top four among the entire fantasy industry, and if you're a fan, if you're fans. I feel like Derrick Henry and da- Dalvin Cook 
might sneak in there in a couple. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, but. again, these remember we this these are half PPR rankings. So a Derrick yeah. Henry in a half PPR setting it might not be there. I mean, it's half PPR is whatever for Derrick Henry. PPR is really where he gets devalued a little bit more. But half PPR, I'm perfectly fine taking him as my first running back. I think those. This is going to be the top four picks of e- almost every draft. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. I think those will at least be the top three. And then you're right. Maybe Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry go before Alvin Kamara. But I think that. Those are going to be the top, top three picks of every draft. Yeah. Um, so you have the t- obviously McCaffrey, Saquon, Elliott, Alvin Kamara. Then we got Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Uh, Dalvin Cook is a guy who, I mean, a lot of injury concerns. So I think that if you're going to draft Dalvin Cook, you have to be prepared to blow like an eighth round pick on Alexander Madison. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm of the. I don't handcuff my uh, running backs landscape in the fantasy world. I like to handcuff other people's running backs because if someone has Dalvin Cook and I steal Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook goes down, I now have a top 24 pick if he were to be starting the year as a starter to add on to my running backs. So that's what I that's how I like to use my backup running backs on other people's handcuffs, not my own. Uh, let's talk about number seven. This is a guy that we're all high on um, compared to other people in the industry. Miles Sanders. Um, I have him as my ninth uh, running back, which is two above consensus. Michael, you have him as your seventh running back. Jason, also, you have him as your seventh running back, which is interesting because I, I feel like I've been Miles Sanders' biggest supporter uh, of the crew here, but you guys have him ranked higher. So, Jason, um, why do you think Miles Sanders is going to finish as the top seven? Let me ask you guys something real quick. What's the... Um, I'm really f- fucking up my words. Today. What's going on? You smoking some uh, some of the ganj? What's, yeah, what's good? I thought you were... I had, I had breakfast I you were for straight dinner. Ed. So I thought you were straight edge. I'm a little tired, I guess. Yeah, we had breakfast. We what, made kind of, for, what kind of breakfast? So for tata with uh, onions, peppers, some feta cheese, and spinach. All right, good. that's that's brain food. That's not carb load. I thought you when you said it's not like you had a f- fucking uh, like pancakes and shit. Some like, yo, you should pancakes. be out of here. Let us finish a couple protein pancakes. Oh, okay. So you did have pancakes. Two strips of bacon. It was glorious. What happened? You guys don't want those six packs I was looking at all weekend anymore, or, or what? Pancakes, bro. You're trying to look. You trying to look like your bro over here? Like, yo, I realized I'm. Thought I had a lot of whites in it. Now no, that yo, now that Michael's all sexy, like I'm the only like fat person in the family like i gotta get my shit together i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta get right this is this is crazy at least when michael was 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 fatter i could be like yeah at least michael's fat too <laughs> michael's not fat anymore i gotta get my shit together uh, no nah, I'm, I'm serious right. you guys this, this weekend has really like yesterday i did mma shred core kinetics and bands outside like i, I was i was completely motivated by by you guys anyway Go ahead, Jason. Miles Sanders. That's what we're yeah, at that at. point, I wasn't sure if you paused the podcast for still recording. Like, <laughs> right, so I'm back. Um, what's the, the I don't know the word still, the the gist behind the Eagles running backs? The RBBC? The RBBC, right? Everyone, nobody really wants Eagles running backs. JJ Zacharyson today tweeted the, um, Great the order of fantasy points for running backs for each team the last five years. The Eagles were fourth. Hmm. The Eagles have supplied the fourth most running backs fantasy points over the last five years. Even Jay Ajay was a fantasy viable running back, and he didn't have any knee cartilage. 
And that was the best running back they were using. They finally spent a draft pick on Miles Sanders. This guy puts up 1,300 yards his rookie year, barely even playing in the beginning of the year, with seven touchdowns and 50 catches. I don't need, I don't know what more I need to say. And they didn't add anyone in the offseason. Like, he was splitting the low with Jordan Howard last year. And newsflash, RBBCs are happening across the entire league. Like, after you get past McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Cook, and Zeke, it's basically all RBBC-style running backs. Like, even, like who are you going to take? Nick Chubb over him? Nick Chubb is with Kareem Hunt. I'm not taking Joe. Don't even get me started with Joe Mixon. I'm not taking Joe Mixon over uh, Miles Sanders. Like, Miles Sanders showed that he could be an absolute stud last season when given the chance. And all these people who think, I know Boston Scott had some good games, man. But you really think Boston Scott is just going to be like half and half of Miles Sanders? Like, the Eagles are going to want to win football games. And Doug Peterson, everyone always talks about how great of a coach Doug Peterson is. Guess what? Great coaches don't just stick to the same philosophy 24-7. And he's not just going to say, you know, I've used RBBCs in the past. Well, maybe because it's RBBCs, you've always had running backs that weren't good enough to handle a full workload. That's Miles true. Sanders clearly is able to do that. He showed it at the end of last season. Why not just let him be the lead guy, get 65 to 70% of the touches? No one's saying he's going to be Christian McCaffrey on the field 99% of the time, but he doesn't have to be. I mean, I will say this. His rookie season numbers, if you're going to compare them to anyone, they are very comparable to Christian McCaffrey's rookie season numbers. Now, I'm not look, I'm not saying that he's going to be Christian McCaffrey. Like, don't go here and be like, yo, this idiot on a podcast said that Miles Sanders is going to be Christian McCaffrey. Because I didn't say that. What I'm what I'm going what I but what I am going to say is that when he did when he did have the backfield all to himself, you got to look at the numbers that this guy put up. Five catches, 17, 17 rushes, 15 catches. I mean, 15 rushes, four catches, 19 rushes, six catches, 20 rushes, six catches. These are numbers that are not running back by committee numbers when Jordan Howard wasn't on the field last year. And on top of that, like, I remember one year, it was a couple years ago, and I keep, remind, I keep saying this because when Jason said it, it really stuck out in my mind. Everyone was really high on Giants receivers. Everyone was talking about drafting Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard and uh, and Odell Beckham when he was there. And uh, who was the second receiver? I can't remember who the second receiver was, but they were talking about that. And drafting everyone on the Giants was, was, was high. But Eli Manning was going as like the 21st quarterback off the board. And there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect between what you say you think and what you're saying and what the numbers are showing. If you think that Miles Sanders is going to split the backfield with Boston Scott, then why the fuck is Boston Scott not being drafted in drafts? And Miles Sanders is over here being drafted in the first round in sometimes. Like what you're saying and your logic for not drafting Boston uh, uh Miles Sanders is not matching up with your logic. It's not well, Boston matching- Scott Boston Scott is being drafted. He's not being drafted high. Like, he's going in the ninth, 10th round because some people that ass think he's going to, like, break out this year or whatever that means. That His ADP's in the hundreds. Yeah. No one's no, – everyone's drafting Boston Scott to – if they are even drafting Boston Scott to handcuff. The same way they're drafting Alexander Madison in 
Alexander Madison. Well, confusing is how you could not like Miles Sanders and claim the Boston Scott argument, but then draft Nick Chubb with Kareem Hunt going in like the sixth round. Let's talk like about that. let's talk about Nick Chubb because our our to finish out the top ten, you got Kenyon Drake at eight, who were also higher on the consensus. Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb. So let's talk about Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb just just eked out over Aaron Jones. Um, for number 10 on this list. Aaron Jones, 18 touchdowns last year. Hard to replicate. I think that's why we're a little we're a little lower on him than the rest of the league. Nick Chubb, why do you think he finishes in the top 10? Nick Chubb, this is all just based on his talent because the dude is just a beast running the rock, right? Like he averages five yards a carry over his first two seasons, and it's not like he's doing that behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. Like it's not like he's Zeke running with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott at QB and all these powerful weapons at wide receiver. Like Nick Chubb is doing a lot of work and he's just been one of the best pure running backs in the league since he entered the league. And now Kevin Stefanski is headed over to, uh, to Cleveland and he likes to run the damn ball. And I would not be surprised if Nick Chubb gets 15 to 25 carries a game in games where the, uh, where the Browns are leading. He should be the red zone guy. The pass catching work is where it really hurts because he's not expected to do much pass pass catching, especially with Kareem Hunt there stealing work from him. And I know Hunt, uh, excuse me, Chubb went from the fourth best half PPR running back to the 23rd best half PPR running back once Kareem Hunt entered, uh, entered the field for Cleveland. But I just think with Kevin Stefanski there and Nick Chubb's rushing ability, it's a great combo there for him to be like a Derrick Henry-esque where he doesn't need to be catching that many passes to be a very good fantasy option. And I'm, I'm very – I definitely think that the, uh, the Browns are going to want to be more of a rushing team than an air raid team. Jason, uh, Josh Jacobs I feel like is a pretty consensus pick. Real because quick, on the note of Derrick Henry, because since Michael compared them, guess how many more rushing yards Henry had than Chubb last season? Like 28 or something? They were super close, no? 54. Yeah. But Chubb had 70 more receiving yards. Nick Chubb out-yarded Derrick Henry last season, and a lot of people, I'm sure, do not know that. It's it's interesting. Jason, uh, I think... The, really damn good. I think the That's consensus that Josh true. Jacobs, who was the a... Patriots chose Sony Michelle over him. Sorry, I just <laughs> had to take a, a stab at the Patriots because we don't get to do that Who often. was, by, by the way, Nick Chubb's backup in Georgia? Yeah. So like what a joke. <laughs> uh you know usually uh usually Billy Bill, Billy Belichick knows what he's doing there but he he whiffed on that one. Um Jason, I, I think a lot of people are like I said Josh Jacobs uh consensus he's a workhorse type back. They want to get him more involved in the passing game, which is always good news. Uh but Kenyon Drake at number 8. Why um are you as high in Kenyon Drake as you are? You have him as your number 8 and he's the consensus number 8. Yeah, it's Simple upside. Um, we discussed it. I discussed it a lot. I look for upside in my drafts, and Kenyon Drake at the end of last season was a top five running back. He closed out the year just exploding every time he was on the field. David Johnson's out the door. Chase Edmonds was hurt last season. That's his That's his main competition, Chase Edmonds. And now he's in an offense. Like, you don't need to overthink things sometimes. When you have DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, one of the best receivers in the game, Larry Fitzgerald in the slot, one of the best receivers of all time, Christian Kirk, uh, a bunch of other weapons. Sleeper this year, Christian Kirk, in my opinion. Like, there are so many weapons in that offense. 
it's a Kingsbury offense where you know there's going to be a lot of passing and a lot of rushing. They're just going to run a lot of plays. Kenyon Drake is just screaming with upside, and I just don't see where he's not going to put up the numbers. I don't think that this is going to be a scenario like last year. They traded for Kenyon Drake in the middle of last season because they didn't believe in the running backs that they had on their roster, and then they didn't add a running back. And Kenyon Drake, all he did was perform. Everything is pointing to Kenyon Drake doing what he did at the end of last season, this season. And I just want to point this out about Kenyon Drake, too, because people are like, you know, Chase Edmonds is good, too. Maybe he'll still work. The Cardinals traded for Kenyon Drake when they were already spending a shitload of money at the running back position on David Johnson, got rid of David Johnson, and lost a bunch of money there just so they could keep Kenyon Drake. And now they have Kenyon Drake on a transition tag for only $8.4 million. He actually has until tomorrow to sign a long-term deal. If he doesn't, it's a one-year prove-it deal for a team that's supposed to have this high-powered offense. Like, why wouldn't they just use this guy nonstop? It just, it, he, if you're looking for a guy who's going to get a bunch of work in an offense that has as much upside as any other offense fantasy-wise, why wouldn't you want that guy in a fantasy team? All right, let's get over to the wide receivers now. The consensus top 10 wide receivers for us. Michael Thomas comes in at number one. I think when you have a guy who breaks a receiving record last year, you're going to have him at number one, despite the fact that Emmanuel Sanders comes in uh, to play number two to him. I think that can actually help him. Um, and here's where it gets interesting because Devontae Adams is the consensus number two, but he's our consensus number two is Tyree Kill. Um, Tyree Kill, again, Missed four weeks, uh, just got mossed by a high schooler. So why would someone who got mossed by a high schooler be your number two wide receiver, Michael? Wasn't that Darius Geis that he got mossed by? No. What? I'm a bugging. Tyreek Hill got mossed by a high schooler? That was a high schooler? Yeah, bro. Tyre- I scrolled through it quickly. I thought someone said it was Darius Geis. No, it was, it was a high school Instagram kid. Or something? I, don't, I don't use Instagram. It so. was, yeah, he got mossed. He got, he's on Twitter, too. And on Twitter, he his um he, he's being a great sport about it, I got to say. And his his Twitter, uh, he changed his Twitter profile profile pic to him like, like he was shocked afterwards, and he put Jordan's crying face on it, and that's like his Twitter profile picture now. That's how funny. how cool must that be to just, just moss Tyree Kill? Yeah, and Tyree Kill like like said, yo, bro, like good catch, you're a phenom, keep working, and you're gonna be at my spot in the NFL. But next time I'm I'm gonna get Breland to come cover you because I'm not a I'm not a corner. Um, but yeah, he's being With a good sport about said, it. Yeah, so the cheetah, said, the cheetah. This is the dude tied to Patrick Mahomes, and this isn't full PPR either, right? So we don't need the eight or nine receptions. Like maybe other receivers around Tyreek Hill, like Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, he'll more than likely end with a higher reception total than than Tyreek Hill at the end of the season. But Tyreek Hill has that ridiculous boom, long touchdown potential where he could go, even if he only catches three passes in the game, it could be for 145 yards and two touchdowns. We've seen it happen time after time, and that's just how Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill combo work. And I don't see that changing, and he is – I prefer him over Julio and uh, Adams and Godwin and all those guys this year because they're both healthy going into the season and just make some magic happen. I think last year you saw his receiving numbers go down a little bit um and because he missed those games and he didn't have he didn't have those games with Patrick Mahomes in the in the beginning and they kind of got into a rhythm without him you see him he only had 
He was only targeted over ten times twice all season. Only one game with ten or more target, uh, ten or more catches. Um, but he doesn't need that to be hyper efficient. Uh, he's also a, a, a red zone threat. Like he he scored seven touchdowns last year, so he's gonna score touchdowns. And yeah, I want the guy that's tied to Pat Mahomes with, on the new contract. Um, only sixty five percent. Only sixty five percent. So yeah, I want I want that guy. I, and he also like whenever someone can explode for 140 yards, 157 yards, uh, like he exploded a few times last year. Uh, you want that guy on your team. He's going to be part of the offense from day one. Sammy Watkins, not the same guy that he was. So I really think that uh, I, I like Tyreek Hill. I actually like Devonte Adams more than Tyreek Hill, uh, but he's my number two on my rankings, and I have him in Scott Fishbowl. So I'm really excited to have Tyreek Hill on the squad. Um, Julio Jones, uh, after Devontae Adams, number three, Julio Jones, we have in a number four. Uh, we've mentioned that his age is something that we're concerned about, but not concerned enough to have him outside the top five wide receivers. Jason. Yeah. And actually I wanted to make note of this. Um, Mike Tagliere of fantasy pros, very good, uh, fantasy guy, mostly his articles. He, he really see a lot of very cool articles for fantasy pros. The one he released today was a look at wide receiver ages. And when wide receivers do actually decline, because when it comes to the NFL, we always just think of this 30 number. And yeah, that probably apply, that does apply for running backs. But what Definitely. about wide receivers? And he looked at wide receivers and saw that the prime for wide receivers is between 28 and 31 years old. Wow. Interesting. So Julio you know has one elite year left. Exactly. Julio Jones is 31 years old. Right. So according to the past that Mike Tagliere looked at, Julio Jones is still in his prime. At the age of 33 is when wide receivers started to decline. And if you look at Julio Jones's numbers, this just blew my mind. I just figured this out, like, because it just seems absurd. Last year, he had 1,394 receiving yards. That is the least amount of receiving yards he's had since his rookie season. <laughs> 1,394. <laughs> it's the Please least call. he's had since 2013. Talent. I mean, yeah, I mean, Julio Jones, the problem with Julio Jones has always been his touchdown efficiency. But last year, you saw that take a giant step up because it became like a kind of a mainstream thing. Like, everyone started asking, well, when is Julio Jones going to get the touchdowns? When is Julio Jones going to get the touchdowns? And last year, he got the touchdowns. And the year before. Yeah, you just the thing with Julio is if he's going to stay healthy because he has been dealing with injuries a little more as he's gotten older. He missed the game last year. He's played through most of them, which good for him. But it, it is concerning that it does seem it's starting to become a trend a bit. I mean, he's he played all 16 games in 17 and 18. He missed one game last year. Yeah, so I'm saying he's playing through the injuries, but it's been like turf toe and things of that sort that he's like just been playing through. Number five, DeAndre Hopkins. We talked about him a little bit with Kyler Murray, but then you got number six, Chris Godwin. And then if you go down a little bit, number nine is Mike Evans. Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, Mike Evans, Juju Smith-Schuster. So let's go to Galladay and Mike Evans. Same squad, new quarterback, Tom Brady. You guys have mentioned that you don't think Tom Brady is the same guy. So how is it that we have... Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in the top 10. Uh, you said Galladay and Evans prior to that. So, yeah, Godwin and Evans, obviously. I wasn't the biggest Chris Godwin fan. And then the more I looked into it, now I have him as my number four receiver 
higher than expert consensus ranking because if Julian Edelman can get 150 targets in a season, multiple seasons in a row from Tom Brady coming out of the slot, then holy moly, what is Chris Godwin going to do? Right? Like Chris Godwin's 24 years old. He's 6'1. He's fast. He's explosive. Last year, he was a number two wide receiver. And now he has Tom Brady, who just loves throwing to slot receivers. And even though I do would have preferred Jameis Winston staying as the quarterback, I still think Chris Godwin has an amazing year here with Tom Brady. And Mike Evans, I have as my wide receiver 10 because the reason I, I mean, I don't think Tom Brady's going to be good, but well, not good. I don't think he's going to be great. I think he'll be decent, but he doesn't need to support many other guys. Like, I don't think Rob Gronkowski is going to be great. I don't think OJ Howard is going to be great. And who else are they going to throw to? The running back every now and then. Why can't he support Evans and Godwin at, I mean, and Evans is just going to be up and down like he usually is, but he's been a 1,000 yard receiver his entire career, right? Like, he's never had a year without 1,000 yards. Mike Evans is a big go-up-and-get-a type of guy, 6'5". Tom Brady likes those big targets near the red zone. So I think Mike Evans is going to continue to be a big weapon for Tom Brady. I just think he's going to be less consistent than Chris Godwin is, which might have him more at the 10. But we've, if you've been drafting Mike Evans in years past, you've been used to it at this point. Like last year, he had a game where he ended with a donut, I believe, and then followed it up with like 25 fantasy points. So that's just that's – just, how Mike Evans is. He's just not super consistent, but he is a very good wide receiver. I'm I'm a little lower than my, on Mike Evans than than you guys are. I have Mike Evans at 13, but I think that like you said, I think Mike Evans prowess in the red zone and Tom Brady's or Tom Brady's ability to get the ball to the tall targets in the red zone is going to be the difference in why he's there. Um Robert Woods comes in at the consensus number 8. We all like Robert Woods way better than the consensus. I have him at number 8. Um, he's plus nine, um, from where he's going. Uh, Michael, you have him at number seven. So we already know Michael loves Robert Woods. Jason, number eight. We all love Robert Woods. So let's talk about Robert Woods a bit, huh? I want to, I want to say something about Robert Woods real quick, because first off, the dude was a wide receiver one in the second half last year. He ended with 1100 receiving yards, uh, a hundred rushing yards as well. He always throws rushing, some rushing yards in there. Only two receiving touchdowns despite 90 receptions and 1,134 receiving yards. Look, I expect Robert Woods' role in the offense to remain big as it was in the second half last season, like bigger than it was because of the 12 personnel and all that. I wrote an article about it. Go check it out if you haven't, brotofantasy.com. I've discussed it plenty of times on the podcast already. And Rich Rybar yesterday, a great fantasy follow, tweeted that, there have been 62 different times a QB passed for over 4,500 yards. Jared Goff's 22 passing touchdowns were third fewest ever among those seasons. And seven times last year, his receivers got tackled at the one-yard line, and none of those resulted in a passing touchdown after that. The most recent quarterbacks that struggled with passing touchdowns after throwing 4,500 yards, Matt Stafford, who went from 20 passing touchdowns to 29, and Matt Ryan, who went from 21 passing touchdowns to 38. So there is some positive touchdown aggression coming for Jared Goff as well. And if you think Robert Woods is going to catch two touchdowns again, catching 90 balls, you're just insane. Like there's just at some point luck even has to kick in because catching two touchdowns on 90 receptions going over 1,100 yards, the third touchdown was rushing. He only caught two touchdowns. 
So, yeah, sign me up for some Robert Woods all day. I think he's one of the biggest steals in the draft. Uh, yeah, we all, we all agree with that. And that, that, was, that was some excellent reporting by who was that? Rich Rybar. Rich Rybar. Go ahead. Yeah, the, uh, one of the fellow pros in, in uh, yours and Jason's FFPC pros versus Joe's draft. Fantastic. Uh, maybe not fantastic for us, but, you know, we'll try and beat him. Um, all right, and let's go over to the next one. Oh, just to recap – um, the consensus top 10 wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, Mike Evans, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I feel like we can't just go past Juju Smith-Schuster being in the top 10. Um, this is because of the return of Big Ben. Yeah, uh, I would just to direct you to uh, Michael's excellent article on brotofantasy.com to the true value report to sum it up a little bit right now, looking at what Juju did last season um, with Ben Roethlisberger, just quarterback, he would have been a lot better. And he also had a lot less targets because of who his quarterback was last season. So we're not discounting Juju too much just because he played with duck Hodges last year. Um, Give Michael's report a read and you'll see that Juju is going at a, is at a good ADP right now to take him. All right, so let's get to our consensus top 10 uh, tight ends. Number one, Travis Kelsey. Number two, George Kittle. That seems to be the consensus. I have George Kittle as number one uh, just because I think that he's going to be a a main part of that offense if uh, Debo Samuel is not able to start the season uh, with the 49ers. Uh, But I would take Travis Kelsey or George Kittle at this point. Uh, I think that those are the top two, and there's no real questions about it. So let's go to number three. For a bunch of years, it's been Zach Ertz at number three. But this year, our consensus goes to Mark Andrews. I told you why I love Mark Andrews so much. He is the favorite target of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is hyper-efficient in terms of red zone production. um, And I expect him to continue to be the number one target. They got rid of Hayden Hurst because they believe in Mark Andrews so much. Because Mark Andrews became the guy that they wanted to see. Uh, at this point last year. So I believe that Mark Andrews is going to continue uh, on his upward trend of production. Um, I'm going to cut you off, Tim. I'm going to play the role of host right now because I'm the one that put together the consensus rankings. These aren't available anywhere at the moment. I just put them together using our rankings. The only reason Andrews is third is because you have Andrews third and you have Ertz at like seven. Me and Michael have Ertz three, Andrews four. So you're the guy who... I have have Ertz at five. Okay. Well, then they're tied. But you're the guy who has Andrews ahead of Ertz. I want to know why you have Ertz at five. Who do you have ahead of... Who's the fourth? Waller. Darren Waller. Yeah, please please explain that. Uh, Well, Darren Waller obviously came out of nowhere last year. He was a very surprising uh, revelation. I think that... You're going to see now because, they, you know, remember the whole Antonio Brown saga? They didn't know that Antonio Brown was, that wasn't going to be there. And then they they had him there and then he wasn't there. And then he wanted a new helmet and then he didn't. And you watched it all unfold on Hard Knocks last year. And the whole time, John Gruden kind of kept Antonio Brown in the game plan. And I think that this year, yes, they drafted the speedster. Um, Henry Ruggs with their number one pick, but they didn't add any type of receiving threat besides that. And Darren Waller was the number one receiving threat there. And I think that he's going to continue to be the number one receiving threat. And I just don't see Derek Carr going down the field anymore. So I think that 
although um, I don't see it having a big impact uh, in general, I do think that the presence of Henry Ruggs is going to open up some more stuff for Darren Waller. I think the passing offense is going to run through Darren Waller this year because he's not a surprise anymore. He's an established stud. So I think I that know, I think that he takes a step up as well. Thing with me about Waller is when Hunter Renfro was healthy, Waller was a lot less part of that offense. Like his targets almost cut in half when Hunter Renfro was healthy. Because Hunter Renfro was stealing targets in the middle of the field. And Renfro's coming into the season healthy. Like you said, they added Henry Ruggs, who it's not like he's a it's not like he's an outside receiver. He's gonna be moving around too. They added Lynn Bowden as well to steal some check down work. I feel like the the Raiders are just trying to assemble a team that could play close to the line of scrimmage. And maybe Waller will have a lot of receptions. I just don't know how many yards and touchdowns he'll have. So and I'm a little earlier excuse me, I'm a little lower on Darren Waller than you are. I still have him as tight in six. I think I think it was a different situation last year though, because there was only room for one guy getting targets in the middle of the field. I think the addition of Henry Ruggs will open that up a bit. So I mean there's there's two ways to look at it. I just think Zach Ertz um, I saw regression last season. Uh, just watching him play, you saw that he just that he kind of looks like he's losing a little bit of a step. And I just think Dallas Goddard steps up a little bit more. I think that when it was only Goddard and Ertz, now there actually is way more targets to be spread around for the Eagles. You add Jalen Rager. Hopefully, Alshon Jeffrey is healthy. Uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, is coming into the year healthy. Miles Sanders is more of a pass-catching threat. So I just don't see Ertz as, like, because one of the reasons Ertz was so spectacular is not because he makes these amazing catches down the field. It's because he catches 10 balls a game. So I just don't see a, a world where Ertz gets that kind of volume that he's been getting for, like, that, that made him that superstar two years ago and that made him a top-10 guy. I just think his volume goes down a little bit this year. And I think Mark Andrews' volume goes up. I think they got rid of their Hayden Hurst for a reason because they wanted to see him on the field more and they want to make him more involved in the offense. He was number one in hog rate last year. Hog rate is the amount of targets seen when you're on the field. He only saw 50, just over 50% of the snaps on the field last year, Mark Andrews. Now he's going to see more snaps, so I think he's just going to be more involved in the offense in general. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with it. It's just, for me, Ertz and Andrews, we discussed this on our uh, on our recent pod where we – discussed close ADP, so we go into it a lot more depth there. So check that out if you have not yet. I feel like it's the it's the new t- the shiny new toy versus the old reliable the old reliable toy. You just gotta pick your poison. Um number five consensus is a guy that a lot of people are up and down on this year. We are in completely in one hundred percent and that is Tyler Higby. He comes in number six on my rankings, number five on Michael's rankings, number five on Jason's rankings. So we are all basically in on Tyler Higby. Uh, Jason, we haven't heard from you in a little bit, uh, besides when you were playing host there. Why are you so in on Tyler Higby this season? We've done a lot on Higby, I feel like, this offseason. And we always just point to the same thing. Nobody has a historically great five-game stretch. Literally the yeah. best five-game stretch of a tight end ever. Nobody does that and then doesn't play. And I don't understand Gerald Everett, right? Gerald Everett, honestly, has never done anything in his life. So even if he does play some snaps, at the end of last year, the Rams were using two tight ends a lot. So Gerald Everett doesn't spell doom for Tyler Higby. 
And they just got rid of Brandon Cooks, which is another guy who was getting a thousand yards per year before last season when he dealt with concussion problems. So the reason for that may be because the Rams see Tyler Higby taking a step up and becoming that third option in the offense, possibly second, because he was second to Robert Woods at the end of last year. So I just don't see why anything would change from the end of last season. Well, not from the end of last season, because he was the best tight end ever. But I don't see why his role would change when you see how well he did and the way that the offense changed this offseason, getting rid of Brandon Cooks and not getting a wide receiver to replace him with. I think also, like, you got to read tea leaves a little bit, right? You got rid of rid of Brandon Cooks, so... And they paid him. <sighs> Jason, you've been listening to me too much. And, dude, it's just... It <laughs> you... frustrates me because it's... The people who are hating on Tyler Higby are the... It's the same thing every time. It's the... But look at Gerald Everett's profile page, bro. Look at his 40 speed. Look at his burst speed. Look at his spark score. Like, how many times do we have to see that athleticism doesn't always translate to being good on the field. Like Jeff Janis would be a star if just spark score and burst speed mattered. Like a lot more goes into it than that. Jarvis Landry is like bottom five percentile across the board and everything and has been one of the best receivers in the league for like seven years now. Like people just, that's, there's like, I feel like half the Twitter fantasy world just bases all of their opinions on who's the, who's, the most athletic from when they were at a combine four years ago compared to five years ago when they entered the league. Like, yo, what are you doing? That's how I feel about it. Um, Yeah, and like Jason said, follow the money. They gave Tyler Higby the extension. They didn't give Gerald Everett that extension. And you you were talking about vacated targets. Let's not forget the vacated targets that, that Todd Gurley leaves behind because some of those, yeah, are going to go to Cam Akers and some of those might go to Daryl Henderson. But... It's going to be the tight end that's going to be more involved in this offense. You saw it happen at the end of last season. Um, they were winning more when Tyler Higby was involved, and he was productive. I don't see that changing, um, and it's because follow the money. When you're when in doubt, follow the money. Um, Darren Waller, we, we talked about. Evan Ingram, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry comes in at 10. Number nine, Austin Hooper. It is really boggling my mind personally that Austin Hooper is going after um Hunter uh, uh Hurst uh why, why can't I remember his name the guy Hayden, that I was just talking Hayden about Hurst. Hayden Hurst <laughs> there, there you go Hunter Henry Hayden Hurst too many ages um Hunter Hurst Helmsley uh Hayden Hurst who is taking his place in Atlanta Michael we have Austin Hooper here why do you like Austin Hooper Look I like Austin Hooper because we are talking about a guy who is 25 years old coming off of a season where he was the number one overall tight end ahead of Travis Kelsey, ahead of George Kittle, ahead of Andrews through the first half of the season before he got hurt. And yes, I know he went to Cleveland, which is a worse landing spot than being in Atlanta, but he also got the most money ever for a tight end. He literally got the largest tight end contract ever. And it's being that's being used as his main gripe. Like, yeah, I know Austin Hooper's good, but he's with Cleveland now. Yeah, Cleveland now is Kevin Stefanski, who has always used his tight end as well. And Hayden Hurst is a 26-year-old third-year player who has done absolutely nothing every single chance he's gotten. Congratulations. He got traded to Atlanta. 
why does that automatically mean that this dude is gonna be good? Like people just they these just pipe dreams that they create in their mind. If you honestly like if and the ADP literally says take Hayden Hurst ahead of Austin Hooper. And it's just so ridiculously mind-boggling to me. Like if you're drafting Hayden Hurst, you better be drafting another tight end too. Because there's a very good chance that Hayden Hurst just straight up sucks. Like this dude was drafted as an old rookie to make an immediate impact and he never was able to. Got outplayed by the tight end who got drafted two rounds later than him and basically lost his job. Like, why is this someone that people love so much just be- just because his landing spot is decent? Like, how many times are we going to see that? Like, you know who else's landing spot was decent? Fucking Jimmy Graham. He just landed at the Chicago Bears. But guess what? Everyone knows Jimmy Graham sucks now, so no one's chasing after him. So why is everyone and their moms chasing after Hayden Hurst? It just blows my mind. I also want to remind people about the fact that I think they're looking at roles and they're saying like, oh, but the tight end role with the Atlanta Falcons, it's such a great role. It wasn't before last season. It wasn't. It wasn't until Austin Hooper, just until Austin Hooper made it a great role. The last person to be like a good tight end that was like really fantasy viable um, with the Atlanta Falcons was Jacob Tammy was kind of okay. And then... It was Algie Crumpler before that. Like, you're talking about... And then Tony Gonzalez before that. Like, you're talking about we're going back in history now. We're going to people that we haven't... I haven't said the name Algie Crumpler in years. I haven't said the name Jacob Tammy in years. Like, these are people that you you don't remember because they were never really worthwhile in fantasy circles. And even Austin Hooper two years ago, he was just a streaming option. He was not... A player you could just put in your lineup and trust. But we mentioned coming into last year that it was Austin Hooper's third season. And in the in the third season, this is when people usually take their step up. And that's exactly what he did. So I think that people are just looking at the role of Atlanta Falcons tight end a little bit more than they're looking at. The reason why Atlanta Falcons tight end was valuable is because Austin Hooper played it. And I think when you look at it that way then Austin Hooper becomes a lot more valuable. Um, our tight end rankings, just going over them one more time. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, Tyler Higby, Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, Jared Cook, Austin Hooper, and Hunter Henry coming in at number 10. That is all for our first draft one-point list. Um, I was about to say this will be coming out tomorrow morning, but if you're listening to this, it's coming out to it's coming out right now. It's out, um, but I'm going to be uploading this, and it's going to be coming out on uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, we couldn't we couldn't draft last night. I mean, we couldn't talk about this last night. Sorry for the one day delay, but thank you guys so much for listening. Anyway, Michael, where can we find you? At Brodo FF Mike. Jason. At BrotoFF Jason. And you can find me at BrotoFF Tim. See what we did there? You can find us all at BrotoFantasy on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Broto.com. Um, not the at symbol, just at there in, in the in the in the bar. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. Also help us out and have some fun. Sign up for an FFPC draft. It is high stakes fantasy. You could find a link. Uh, to get there on brotofantasy.com. It's right there. Just click the link. It's right on the homepage. Um, 
Don't forget to check out through True Throw Values on the website. Don't forget to become a patron. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. And that is all for plugging. Uh, if you are a patron, you will be getting another episode where we're going to be doing a 14-team draft, which was suggested by one of the patrons. So shout out to the fact that we listen to our patrons. Told you. It's good to be a patron. Um, so we're going to be doing a 14-team draft over on Patreon. Check out Patreon for as low as $3 a month. Come on, $3 a month. That's less than you pay for your Starbucks uh, sugar diabetes attack every morning. So uh, get you there. You do personally attack people <laughs> who like coffee now. It's a lot. Yo, I, there's this girl on TikTok who, like, makes secret Why Starbucks stuff. Because Ma- Max put me on, one of our friends, Max. And she just, like... She puts it's just sugar. It just it's just pumps of sugar in coffee. Yeah, it's crazy. Starbucks is not known for their black coffee. They're known for their creations. Yeah, yeah I mean they're creating sh- diabetes. That's what they're creating. But uh it's a lot healthier. I like black coffee with a teaspoon of sugar. Bada bing bada boom. It's a lot healthier for you uh to get on uh patreon.com slash broto fantasy, I promise. Uh until next time. Peace. Later. Later.